Namaste. In the previous podcast, we heard all about the importance of telling stories. The storytelling tradition for Hindus comes mainly from the Itihasas, which include the Ramayana and the Mahabharata. If stories exist, versions of stories will also exist. There will be adaptations and interpretations. While that may be okay for normal secular stories, is there a problem in straying from tradition with retellings of our sacred stories? Let's continue our conversation on stories with Bharati ji, avid storyteller and writer specializing in the Itihasas, especially the Mahabharata. Namaste Bharati, it's great to have you back on the Hindu Parenting Podcast. Namaste, it's great to be here too. Looking forward to another very exciting session today. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. So, when children get interested in the Itihasas, we feel happy, right? Busy parents may be actually relieved to see that children are using Google to uh, research and read up about Hindu history and stories. Seems like a harmless activity. But is there a danger lurking there? Actually, yeah. So, one of the biggest things that uh, we should be wary about, one of the biggest risks as it may be, is that the child may be exposed to the wrong ideas. As in, there might be many inaccurate ideas being put out on the net because then anybody can write it without us being able to figure out whether the guy is actually coming from an authentic uh, background or not. So anybody any, says anything and we just take it at, at face value. There's an enormous body of work that we have available. We have our texts, right? Our Vedas, Puranas, Itihasas, and all. And we have bhashyam, we have interpretations by our own ancient gurus, our own ancient seers for each of these. And these have been handed over to us. But nowadays, we don't go back to these texts, those that were, that were authentic or that kept in touch with our dharmic ideas. Instead, mm-hmm. our ideas are being molded by people outside our culture also. And that is really alarming. Because, uh, you know, it's, it's human nature to believe the loudest or the most popular voice. So, unless we have our own voices rising about all this clamor, there's always going to be a risk that our kids are being swayed by ideas that are being imposed on us from sources that are not very favorable to us, that are quite detrimental for whatever may be the reasons. So one thing, let's make it clear again. We talked about this last time, but again, let's make it clear. The problem is not our kids questioning us or disagreeing us. That's not the problem. The problem is our kids or us, why just kids, even adults, is if we start trusting an inaccurate source and then we start questioning our traditions, our cultures, our very faith based on a notion that is not even correct. That is the biggest risk here. Okay, um, so you mentioned that, uh, you know, we have we have the Itihasas and Puranas and everything and then you have Bhashyams or commentaries which yeah. are written by people from our own tradition, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, they were in their times interpreting the texts for um, their audience, let's say. Okay, so... That is also an interpretation. Now, we are saying that our kids today are falling back upon uh, interpretations uh, from people outside the tradition. Um, 
again this is an interpretation so what what exactly is the danger here you know uh, why is it dangerous to um, blindly believe the interpretation of someone who is not from our tradition uh, aren't they allowed to aren't they allowed to interpret after all it's a story so story is about somebody's in interpretation only no so it is their interpretation interpretation versus ours so what's the problem right. there what is the danger very valid. yeah that's a very valid question and the problem is not exactly that somebody outside our culture is uh, uh, interpreting it or somebody who's not who is not a hindu is even is uh, interpreting it the problem is that somebody who's not familiar with our tradition or familiar with our dharma or our faiths or somebody who has contempt for it or who does not believe it or has some other you know views about it might be presenting an interpretation that is skewed to their own personal agenda so basically our problem is not with who is doing it but what is being done so if if an interpretation leads us to an inaccurate picture or an inaccurate notion about our heritage or about hinduism then there is a big problem because there is so much contempt that you see nowadays uh, among certain people about our religion and all of it is based on wrong notions about what our texts say for example one of the biggest uh, problems that people think that hinduism has you know people have this normal uh, idea that uh, hinduism is all about caste there was uh, discrimination there was caste system and people were rejected on basis of that and all that the first point is that caste is not an indian word at all caste is a word and a concept imposed on us by the british so didn't we have a, um, a segregation of society before that yeah we did it was a varna based segregation what is a varna based segregation i think a more accurate word way to describe varna would be this guy uh, uh, the skills that you had determined what you did in society so you would actually end up doing something that you were actually most competent most qualified for and when we look at the varna system also um we we think that it was a rigid system and uh, we have this common uh, assumption that uh, uh, brahmins were oppressing everybody else because they didn't allow anybody to become a uh, i mean they looked at everybody else as inferiors and uh, only brahmins were considered uh, on the top of the scale or whatever and uh, that was very discriminatory because kshatri everybody else was lower on the scale See, the whole point is we believe that brahmins were a, you know uh, a very closed sect they would not allow anybody in and all that that is the impression that we have but what are the facts we have examples of several examples of people becoming brahmanas people who were not born brahmanas but becoming brahmanas later on in life because of their actions or their uh, or something they did their nature their behavior whatever uh if you even look at uh, just our kuru clan uh you see hasti the king who named hastinapura he founded hastinapura hasti's grandson there was this person called priyamida he became a brahmana and so did a few of his other sons we all know of rishi vishwamitra was a kshatriya who turned a brahmana then we know so of this kingdom of Yeah. So this uh, King Hasti is also a Kshatriya. I am assuming. So yeah. it yeah. was a movement from Kshatriya to Brahmana. Kshatriya to Brahmana. Yeah. 
so yeah. we know so also rishi vishwamitra uh, okay yeah kshatriya to brahmana they okay. then we have panchalas panchalas are kshatriya all of these people come from the yayati line all kshatriyas and uh, the panchalas from the panchal country comes draupadi so the panchalas there are five princes that's why they are known, known as panchalas one of them is mudgala and from him descends the line of brahmanas known as maudgalyas yeah i i'd like to bring in this point here uh you know when bharati mentioned that uh, a lot of um you know professions um, or rather uh, the varna system was also based on professions see in uh, the western culture we have names like blacksmith smith carpenter where are all these names coming from you know at a similar point in history i guess they also had the same system of classification um, you know based on your profession and that that's how to this day their names of smith and carpenter and things like that have survived right so it's so, not something that's very unique to the indian way of organizing society you know different people were specializing in different things and their sons took over and they became good at those things so this was there all over the world actually right and it makes sense because there's a legacy of learning that comes with that right the father has experience the child grow for instance take a, a, a kshatriya Uh, child chatriya's child is exposed to political discussions since childhood he is exposed to he is seeing his father go out to war so the, he will not fear war today in today's context if you take a doctor's child would grow up seeing that his pair his father is not able to spend as much time at home because he has other responsibilities so if, if that child has to marry a doctor's spouse that child might understand the spouse better if that child grows up to be a doctor he will be able to deal with it better because he's already been exposed to that kind of lifestyle he understands what comes with it that is not something he's thrown into suddenly he's exposed to it already okay uh, so you have mentioned about this uh, crossover from one varna to the other um and you are also taking um, examples from our itihasas so um, by reading our itihasas can it help to increase our uh, uh, understanding and knowledge of this whole varna system that has been so mangled today yes definitely it can because this this classification about the varnas for example comes in the mahabharata also so there is one uh, very important and interesting conversation that happens during the pandava exile towards the end of it where we all know about the yaksha prashna where yudhishthira goes the pandavas go to a lake they drink water and they all fall down dead and yudhishthira comes looking uh-huh. in the yaksha right there's a similar yeah, thing yeah. that happens later on where yudhishthira again saves his brother by answering questions so this happens during to almost towards the end of yudhishthira saves his brother bhima he saves bhima in a okay. similar kind of situation so okay. um, there is uh, bhima goes out hunting once and he gets caught in the coils of an enormous serpent okay and okay. Uh, bhima struggles to free himself and very surprisingly he can't i mean he's got the strength of 10000 elephants and he can't which is quite miraculous because there's nobody stronger than bhima 
so he realizes something is very fishy but he can't get out so he is just there yudhishthira goes looking for him and he finds him caught by the serpent and uh, he tells the serpent to let his brother go the serpent tells him i am nahusha he is one of their ancestors who's fallen who was an indra and has fallen from grace and cursed to become a serpent on earth and uh, i am nahusha i am not going to this your brother came into my domain i am going to eat him this my dinner today so i am not going to leave yudhishthira says look i'll do anything to save my brother so this nahusha says okay when i'll ask you some questions you answer them if you answer them to my satisfaction i'll let your brother go mm-hmm. and this conversation is centers around what is uh, what is the varna system and uh, the gist of it is i'll just just a little bit of it tells you hey, exactly how beautifully the itihasa explains this Uh, to give you an example of why reading the itihasas can give you a more accurate picture of what the ancient society was like how it was how it was formed what kind of format it had ever so one of the questions nahusha asks one of the first questions is who is a brahmana so yudhishthira says truth charity forgiveness good conduct benevolence observance of the rights of his order and mercy these are the qualities that make someone a brahmana then nahusha very very properly and reasonably says look good qualities can exist in a shudra also so why are you discriminating like that so yudhishthira says no no wait shudra is not shudra by birth nobody gets a stamp like that on by their birth a brahmana is not a brahmana by birth if a person mm. has these qualities he is a brahmana if a person lacks these qualities he is a shudra even if he is a he is born in a brahmana family so this mm. kind of tells us that this whole idea of discrimination is based on a person's actual existing qualities it's not a something to do with birth or something that they have not earned so if you if you are a, if you are a clever person you earn the label of being an intelligent person if you are truthful if you are charitable if you are forgiving if you are benevolent if you are merciful then you become a respected person in the society you get the label of a brahmana just you can't just say that my father was brahmana so i am brahmana that is not how it works that is what yudhishthira explains in this uh, conversation with nahusha right so uh, that that was very interesting to know this this story you know that comes in the mahabharat um, i think most of this is unknown to uh, almost everybody i think you know because uh, we have stopped reading our itihasas anyway you know so so um having having heard you say all this i understand uh, there could be a risk of misinterpretation or maybe you know inaccuracies um when some when somebody tries to retell the mahabharata so how what are the kinds of risks that that are there yeah there can be quite a few risks associated with it for one thing there are several myths that come up around the itihasas 
because we have this you know current present day pension for uh, reinterpreting everything reimagining everything and all of that that is fine as long as you are not trying to hide or misrepresent what the epic says as long as we are not trying to force our opinion down the readers throat and trying to do that under the guise of the mahabharata or the ramayana right because let's take the caste thing itself uh whether if you take rama ramayana valmiki is a, valmiki's past is what he became valmiki later on, right same way vyasa is born to a fisher woman so these things don't matter really to us like i was telling you last time krishna comes from a lineage that is the yadava lineage comes from suta origins because yayati is a kshatriya and um his his the wife from whom the yadava clan comes is a brahmana which brings us to the most bandied about term about the mahabharata which is the suta so uh, this huge this huge discussion keeps taking place about caste discrimination being practiced against karna so he was rejected and he didn't get equal opportunities just because of his caste and all that first of all karna did not belong to a caste that was um, ostracized or anything like that he was a suta a suta is the child of a kshatriya father and a brahmana mother and there are several sutas in the mahabharata who are in very great positions vidura in fact is the son of a shudra woman um, sanjaya is a suta he is dhritarashtra's most trusted man a, a man who can sit next to dhritarashtra and tell him to his face that he has done all kinds of junk in his life without fear of repercussion but when it comes to all these people are you know ignored so the queen of isn't yeah. isn't uh, isn't karna the son of kunti and surya bhagwan right is, no but he is adopted he is he is the son of kunti and surya bhagwan but he is adopted uh-huh. by adhirata who is a suta he is adopted by this uh, uh, guy called adhirata who is a suta uh-huh. so by adoption he ha- has a suta Uh, family oh, okay okay yeah so karna, karna is brought up by adhirata who finds him floating on the ganga in the basket okay, okay. and, and adhirata is a suta adhirata is a suta and adhirata which means he is born brother. of a, uh, he is born of a kshatriya Not father him. and a brahmana mother one of no? one of the previous descendants is born of a, one of the previous okay. anga kings uh, marries a brahmana woman. He is a Kshatriya who marries a Brahmana woman, and uh, okay. the child from that union uh, mm. becomes a king also of Anga. And from that line mm. onwards, they are Sutas. Sutas, okay, okay. okay. So Suta is not. I mean, the way it is talked about, almost like a bad word. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing yeah. in this. <laughs> it is like See, that's it, the thing. No, the Varna does not mean anything bad for anybody. That's the thing. We don't. We can't grasp that because we've been told that Varna is a taboo. It's not like that. Varna tells you this guy is. Will you say that I am calling one guy the CEO of a company and I'm praising him? I'm calling a another guy an intern and that's a insult to him. It's not. He just doesn't mm. have the experience to get to a CEO level. That's all there is. That's yeah. all it is. Mm. See, you can mm. become a, 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 
Vaishya can become a Brahmana. A Brahmana, if he does not, a CEO does not do his job properly, he becomes, a, he is thrown out. He is thrown out of the company. Same thing. You have to have a certain eligibility. You have to demonstrate your competence and your intelligence to go up the ladder. I, I use the word up in the sense that you are respected more because of your qualities, not because of your birth or your varna. Your varna comes later. Your qualities are what are respected, not your varna. You are intelligent, you deserve respect. If you are devoted, you deserve respect. If you are humble, you deserve respect. If you stop being humble, you no longer deserve respect, you are no longer a Brahmana. Or, you know, if you stop being uh, uh, brave, you are no longer a Kshatriya. That's how it applies. So, I, am, I keep talking about Brahmana because that is the most, you know, that is the spotlighted uh, part nowadays. So, maligned, maligned, most ah, maligned. Yeah. So, mm. you know, I mean, I can't get over this uh, <laughs> discovery of the word Sutra today because um, currently that word has mm. uh, taken on a life of its own. Ah, yeah. And, and uh, um, I mean, there are people. Uh, who are assuming that is, you know, looking at it through the oppressor oppressed lens, mm. which is, you know, the current fashion actually. And so the suta gets assigned to the oppressed class. But from what you say, it's in no way is a suta an oppressed class at all. No, absolutely actually... not. <laughs> yeah. So this no, is in a fact, Yeah. In fact, I'll tell you, um, uh, Karna's father, Adirata, is a suta, and Karna's uh, Adirata's elder brother is the king of Anga. So they were kings too. Sutas were kings. Sutas were mm -hmm. uh, military heads. Kichaka was a Suta. Kichaka who uh, tried to molest Draupadi, got killed by Bhima, was a Suta. He was the military commander of Matsya Desh. And his sister, Sudeshna, was the Matsya queen. So Sutas were queens. Sanjaya was the confident, greatest, closest confident of Dhritarashtra. So he was a Sutta. Uh, and Adirata is a very close friend of Dhritarashtra. He's a Sutta. So, you know, there are uh, innumerable examples like this to show you that there was nothing, uh, nobody demeaned somebody for, there was no caste discrimination happening on being, uh, uh, on basis of anybody being uh, Sutta. And in Karna's case, this is entirely stupid to use that argument because Karna was not rejected by Drona. He was Drona Sishya. Karna did learn from Drona. So Karna was Drona Sishya. It was Karna who left Drona's Gurukul when Drona refused to give him a very particular higher Brahma weapon. Brahmastras have a number of uh, varieties, okay, number of scales. So Brahmastra is not one astra. It, they are, uh, it is a category of astras. There are different uh, scales of weapons in it. Brahmashira is one of the highest. It is very extremely destructive. No, uh, nobody just hands it over to anybody. And within his students, Drona could, did not find Yudhishthira, who is Dharmaraja himself, or Duryodhana, or Dushyasana, or Bhima, or anybody worthy. He found only Arjuna worthy of handling it. He gave it only to Arjuna. Karna wanted it because his whole life goal was to uh, better Arjuna. He went to Drona and asked him, but I want this weapon too. And Drona refused to give. So Karna got miffed and left. 
to go to parashurama to learn and try to get that so the whole myth first you build a myth saying that suta was the oppressed caste and they were very badly treated and discriminated against then you add on to the story see karna was discriminated against he didn't even get equal education all of this is not even based on vyasa mahabharata vyasa mahabharata very clearly karna says drona is my guru he talks to surya when he is saying this narada says karna was karna was drona sishya karna participates in the guru dakshina battle against drupad karna is mentioned being at drona's gurukul it's there across the text you will find several uh, excerpts showing you karna was drona sishya so the level of misinformation is quite astounding this is totally surprising yeah there are several uh, Uh, this see the person may be discriminated on basis of several things but uh, to only you know spotlight and say that uh, because of caste he was discriminated against this that that really is not fair to uh, the epic because that's not what was happening there uh, karna was not given the brahmashira for different reasons in the same way you'll see one more very elaborate myth that uh, is again very bandied about okay? about ekalavya Uh, ekalavya is presented the problem is that the context is entirely changed to match the narrative that is being pushed okay so when you talk about ekalavya no the story that generally people know is that ekalavya was this poor nishada boy he was eager to learn little guy who was uh, very devoted to dronacharya and he was treacherously rejected by dronacharya who also took away his thumb right correct so, right this is the general idea this is how we are yeah. shown this in the tv so let me not talk about the um, the caste factor the caste factor i just mentioned one thing ekalavya was the nishada prince he became the king later on okay he was the nishada prince and do you know who else is a nishada nala uh, i mean nala is given a very very prominent ah. position at- You know, yeah because he deserves the it handsome the most uh, exactly accomplished uh, i mean yeah. there are words to describe yeah. and damayanti rejects the devas to marry nala so she That's devas right. actually yeah. come for her hand she rejects yeah, them yeah, yeah. and marries nala and nala is a hero right because his yeah. behavior was yeah. such he gambled that was when kali took over but nala was a hero because his behavior was such his caste had the fact that it was nishada had nothing to do with correct again yeah, so right. uh, let's look at ekala the facts about ekalavya are entirely you know either concealed or the person telling you the ekalavya story doesn't know the facts and just create something but the facts are these okay first thing ekalavya was not poor he was the nishada prince second ekalavya was not a little boy he had a son the age of krishna okay krishna and arjuna are contemporaries they are the same age so when krishna uh, abducts rukmini on her wish ekalavya son battles with him. okay so, so ekalavya is the older yeah wait there's more to come so ekalavya this is like turning of... things on its head really Really, Eklavya is not this little boy we established. He's not poor. He's not an inexperienced. Why would a student come to Drona to learn? Because he doesn't know. He's a he's eager to learn, right? Eklavya is a warrior who has allied with Jarasandha, 
to attack Mathura 17 times. Okay, he's one of Jarasandha's allies. So he's an experienced, battle-hardened warrior when he comes to Drona to learn, apparently. Now, Ekalavya is a known sworn enemy of the Yadavas. Because Jarasandha attacks the Yadavas, right? He attacks Krishna. And right. Hastinapur has ally relations with Yadavas. Kunti is a Yadava princess. And Yadavas are allies of Hastinapur. Now, why would Ek why does Ekalavya? These are all things that we have to think logically. I'm trying to lead you through the logical thinking process. So that, you know, when you read the text and see these facts, you start to think, oh, I've heard this. This can't be true. This is say, telling me something else. So I'm just trying to put facts before you and trying to lead you through the thinking process. So uh, Ekalavya comes. He's a battle-hardened warrior. Why does he want to come and learn from Dronacharya? Point one. Why does he want to come and learn from a place where his sworn enemies, the Yadava warriors also learn from uh, Dronacharya. Dronacharya is, uh, is the teacher to all the Hastinapur princes, but other people also learn from him, which again tells you that he was not teaching only Kshatriyas or only Hastinapur princes or whatever. Uh, even the Yadava warriors like Shikandi, Drishtadyumna, even Drishtadyumna who was born to kill him, Drona knows that and he still teaches Drishtadyumna. Uh, so, all these people learned there. Yadava princess learned there. Yadava, uh, I mean, the Yadava uh, leaders' kids all learned there. They are all young boys, okay? Vulnerable boys who have not learned to defend themselves. Ekalavya, a sworn enemy, comes there and tells Dronacharya, I want to learn from you. Now, Dronacharya is an employee of Hastinapur. And he has a young ward from the Yadava family there in his school. Will he call in a cat and let it in among the hen? How will he invite Ekalavya inside and tell him, okay, I will teach you all kinds of weapons. You already know. You are a battle-hardened warrior. I will let you inside my Gurukul along with the uh, youngsters, the younger generation, of the people that you are sworn enemies with. You've attacked them 17 times. But I will invite you inside and leave you with the future of that clan and with the Hastinapur princess also. You are also an enemy of Hastinapur. I mean, does that make any... Will anybody do that? Will any teacher do that? And will... This, no, this is the first time I'm hearing something like this. Yeah. I always... You have to consider Harivamsha to know why he was wrong. Yeah, yeah. That's the problem. That's the problem. And uh, this this part comes from the... A lot of this background no, comes from the Harivamsha. The Harivamsha also tells you that Ekalavya and Drona are not unknown to each other. Ekalavya lives in a place where Drona used to be. So there is a possibility that Drona is aware of Ekalavya. And, and the kicker is this. Ekalavya is Krishna's cousin. Ekalavya is born. Devashrava, who is the younger brother of Vasudeva, who is Krishna's father. Wow. And, <laughs> what and are you this, saying? <laughs> this child... It's abandoned. It's actually a, he's royalty. Yeah. Okay. He was royalty even before and he is royalty even now as the Nishada prince. So, Ekalavya is abandoned for some reason. That's not mentioned in the Harivamsha. But it is so, so, actually Ekalavya is also Yadava then, what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Huh? yeah. Oh, wow. But he, okay. But, but he's... He, 
There is a account in a different Purana. I have not read that yet. I only heard of it. It's an account in a different Purana that says Ekalavya is uh, kidnapped along with other people during attacks, and uh, then the Nishada king adopts him and he brings him. I don't. I have not read that Purana, so I don't want to confirm that. But okay. And you mentioned, you mentioned the Hari Vamsha. What is that text? Yeah, yeah. The Hari Vamsha is the sequel to the. It is actually the prequel to the Mahabharata, but it was written after the Mahabharata was completed. So Mahabharata was written, and in the Mahabharata, Krishna actually makes his first appearance only at Draupadi Swayamvara. So before that, where was Krishna? What happened to him? What was his life? We don't know anything, except when people recount it later on. We don't know in narration. So when Vyasa finished writing the Mahabharata, uh, so he was asked, "Okay, all this is fine." that is krishna's life i want to know about krishna's life so he wrote the hari vamsha the vamsha of hari okay he wrote the hari vamsha after he wrote the mahabharata but it is it's called the khila bhag of mahabharata or uh, addendum but um, okay. you can see a lot of krishna krishna's birth and all that also comes in that so it's you can read it before the mahabharata and then go on the mahabharata generally So in the Hari Vamsha, okay. we get details of all this because we have a detailed uh, account of Krishna's parents, families, and all. There we get a mention of this brother. I think he's the third brother or something of Vasudeva, known as Devashrava, whose son is Ekalavya, who is abandoned. There's no description about why he is abandoned. We don't know. Okay. Okay. He's abandoned, and then he's brought up by the Nishada. so this is how ekalavya is related to krishna and uh, ekalavya is a sworn enemy of the yadavas and ekalavya goes to drona as a hardened battle hardened warrior he is not a little boy he is not a peer of arjuna or krishna and he goes to drona to uh, ostensibly learn and when he is rejected from drona also he stays back in the forest right outside hastinapura um, practicing archery now why would anybody do that if you have been rejected by a, a guru and you want to you think you are a very devoted guy you think okay i will just use his idol and i will practice you can go back to your kingdom no why are you lurking around in hastinapur forest where the princess come out to hunt yeah there are too many questions there that yeah. kind of add a different context to this whole ekalavya was discriminated against uh, just imagine if bhishma had come across a battle hardened warrior in the forest around hastinapur you uh, fully you know geared to battle and this guy was a sworn enemy of hastinapur as well as yadavas how would bhishma had reacted if he had suddenly come across ekalavya like that yeah obviously not very uh, yeah, polite he might have been he might not have asked just for thumb by feet yeah i'm not trying to say that drona was right doing it no he wasn't he wasn't right to do it i'm just trying to put the other side in context as well mm-hmm. so now yeah. know the facts then you try to determine whether this was discrimination this was whether there were other factors added to it whether there were political nuances to it so anything that you before you make a uh, conclusion before you make a judgment on hinduism itself or on our tradition itself first learn the context to a situation and then you make your decision 
that is what i'm trying to say i'm not trying to say exactly ekalave was wrong drona was right there is no right wrong in most of these cases it's all gray area it's all how you look at but know the context know the entire context and then come to it because now you may not be so willing to believe that ekalavya was discriminated against for his caste wow yeah so i mean uh, knowing all this now um you know how to how to tell uh, what kind of things should children read how to avert this risk um how to know the truth or at least like you said i mean maybe there's no you know one single truth but at least how do you know what's in the text so that we don't misinterpret everything and make a mishmash everywhere yeah this thing is of course to read the authentic texts yourself so we have this problem with sanskrit we don't know how to read so it's okay we have a number of translations like one of the best sources would be geeta text so geeta text books are always quite a reliable source for any itihasa puran that you want so that is one good option otherwise you have for the mahabharata since um, i i i can tell you with confidence about mahabharata i'm sticking to that for ramayana you can use geeta press very much uh, for mahabharata also you can use geeta press for the mahabharata you have this uh, what is deemed today to be the most authentic most trusted source is this uh, book this series of books called the uh, critical edition from the bandarkar oriental research institute b o r i this is known as the bori critical edition so why is this deemed so authentic or why do people trust it so much it's because this bori scholars what they did was there are several versions of mahabharata and ramayana all over india so in down south what we know will have different stories up north what you know will have different stories so there's some need to reconcile all of this so what did this bori scholars do they collected 1256 manuscripts of mahabharata compared them all verse to verse and then came up with a critical edition which gives you the series of shlokas which are most likely to match vyasa's original version okay so uh, this 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 why the bori critical edition which is in sanskrit is deemed to be the most authentic now again sanskrit this thing has been translated into english in 10 volumes by dr vivek debroy okay so uh, you can get this on amazon also it's there in many places you can get it there is one more version called the kisari mohan ganguly version which is available online for free you'll find all these links on my twitter feed or please ask me i can give it to you all of these things are there on my twitter feed why it is more authentic why it is um, how many versions they compared where you will find them all of it is there on my twitter feed you can find it there the links the names everything so the other version is called the kisari mohan mohan ganguly version or the kmg version so you are saying that the bori version is uh, probably the closest to the vyasa version is it that has what you said but that is trusted quite well but i would also go with the kmg version bori okay. version is supposed to be very uh, very well researched but it does have its issues i am not saying it does because mm. and it's a very dry read because it's a very it strips the epic of its poetic beauty so it's a very dry read so 10 volumes mm. it's difficult to read but the kmg version is a very poetic it's a complete translation verse by verse 
but the kmg version was older than bori so some of the uh, the research was not that i mean how would they research at that time practically you have to go to every place read and do not like sitting in at home and doing through internet right so the kmg version has contradictions for example one famous myth that we have uh, is draupadi rejected karna because he was sutaputra so okay. in the, in the kmg version you have draupadi saying i will not marry sutaputra right before that karna fails to uh, fails to hit the target right after that karna fails to hit the target so the book contradicts itself mm-hmm. and the truth behind this is that i told you that uh, the bodhi scholar studied 1256 versions of the mahabharata to arrive at their authentic version right so of these 1256 versions only four or five versions have this part of draupadi rejecting karna because of his caste okay this four or five versions out of 1256 versions and these versions okay. in which this rejection is there are not of good quality as per the bodhi scholars so it is very clearly added later and if you read okay. the text you will understand that this rejection could not have happened logically it could not have happened anyway that's it's not get into that okay. but yeah uh, if you can't you can't read this entire mahabharata a smaller uh, summarized version which is still quite accurate is sri rajagopalacharya's books so mm-hmm. sri rajagopalacharya has written both ramayana and mahabharata in concise version you will find both of them very cheap on amazon please read those books or okay. talk to people who have read the original book and can tell you this is right this is wrong ask whenever you read whenever you get some information that you think doesn't fit what you know ask for excerpts to back up what there what people are telling i and see if the excerpt is coming from an original source this is how you can avoid this so uh... one more question so the geeta press is different from the bori thing so where is the geeta press uh, sort of uh, you know taking its have, text from geeta press actually has one see there are different recensions in the mahabharata okay so uh, some of these recensions are very for example in the southern recension some are deemed to be very uh, authentic the northern recension some are deemed to be very authentic i think the geeta press takes it from one of the northern recensions which are deemed to be very authentic so um there there is there is a notion that perhaps that the mahabharata should not be kept at home or read at home where does this come from and is there any uh, is there any sense to that sort of idea also no and this is actually why most people don't read the authentic mahabharata they are afraid to keep it at my own parents used to keep my mom used to keep telling you are always reading the mahabharata there's always going to be conflict in the home thankfully it never deterred me but you know that is why the mahabharata is not read at home and we take whatever our parents or grandparents tell us or what is shown on tv to be the gospel truth because we have not read it ourselves because it's usually not at home this notion is absolutely baseless because the mahabharata comes with its falashruti like you have falashruti in every shloka no telling you what benefits will accrue from this like that you have falashruti yeah. the detailed falashruti for mahabharata so it will do this that that this this for you and all that okay and the reason why this is so stupid is that we in every house in south india we have ms amma's vishnu sahasranamam playing most mm. of us read vishnu sahasranamam every day elders read vishnu sahasranamam every day 
Vishnu Sahasranama comes from Mahabharata. Hmm. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, in yeah, every yeah. house down uh, north, up north, we have Gita. Gita is revered. We use the Gita to give oaths down south also, but we are more into Vishnu Sahasranama than Gita. And Gita is our holy book. Gita comes from the Mahabharata. These two we are willing to keep in the house and revere. We actually pray to them, right? But we don't want to keep Mahabharata. I mean, what sense does that mean? And Gita is actually being told that in the middle of the Kurukshetra battlefield, how is the, does the Gita open? Dhritarashtra Uvacha, Dharvakshetre, Kurukshetre, Samaveta, Yudhsavaha, Pamakash, Pandavashtra. So it opens right in the middle of the Kurukshetra battleground with Dhritarashtra asking, What are my sons? and Pandu's sons doing in Dharmakshetre, Kurukshetre. And we are having that at home, no problem. The mm -hmm. thing is, the Mahabharata itself, it is said about the Mahabharata, there is a shloka that goes, Dharmecha, Artecha, Kamecha, Mokshecha, Bharatar, Shabba, Yadi Hasti, Tadan, Yatra, Yenne Hasti, Tat, Pachita. Which means, everything related to Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha, that is found in this epic, it can be found elsewhere. But what is not found uh, in the Mahabharata can't be found anywhere. Basically, what it means is anything to do with these four things. These four things cover everything in our life. Okay, dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha covers everything in our life. Everything is related to these four. Anything related to this is there in the Mahabharata. If it is not there in the Mahabharata, you will not find it anywhere else. Anywhere else, yeah. Yeah. So, so just, remind, uh, just to remind, just a reminder that we discussed this uh, Purusharthas, Dharma, Artha, Kama, and Moksha in uh, what it means to be a Hindu. One of the first podcasts that we had done. So yeah. I I love how everything is, uh, you know, coming back to those yeah. basic. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So, so Bharti, let's just take it uh, one step further now. Uh, these days you see many, many books being published. You know, they're all coming under the category of Hindu mythology. And there are uh, books, a dime a dozen, available everywhere. And it's kind of hard to figure out which of these are uh, genuinely researched, which are authentic, and which are uh, to be avoided. Or, uh, um, I mean, what kind of, a, uh, you know, guideline would you give? parents about uh, buying these books for kids this is going to be a very personal <laughs> a personal guideline so it might not uh, go down very well with everybody but I, this is what i truly believe the first thing is of course like i said know the basic story from authentic sources so basic storyline even you, i know you i can't ask everybody to go and read 10 volumes of story and then figure out the basic story from authentic sources if you figure out then you know whether a book is leading you wrong or not for example if next time you take up a book that tells you that Karna was rejected by Drona for being Sutta, now you know it, it's falsifying the story, right? Similarly, mm -hmm. if a book tells you that uh, Draupadi was an arrogant lady who did not let other wives into Hastinapur, immediately throw that book away because all the wives of the Pandavas lived in Hastinapur after the war. So, or if any book is telling you that uh, Khandava was burned down to build Indraprastha, 
then put that book aside because there is a difference of several parva between the establishment of indraprastha so many things happen including arjuna's 12 year exile after that after that so he marries subhadra kids are born then only kandavadan happens so hmm. uh, things like this immediately will tell you that okay this person either has not read the mahabharata or is trying to push up very specific personal view by hiding certain facts or you know misrepresenting certain facts uh, the second thing is to read reviews to get an idea of what the book is like but there are paid reviews also today so maybe go to amazon reviews and read user reviews it might be more helpful or uh, if there are uh, um, reviews from people about especially critics then pay more attention to that and see why they are criticizing and does that critique seem sensible to you some people just criticize for just for having fun because they can also even a good book might get missed out that way third is ask trustworthy sources people who have read the authentic version for recommendations on which books to read fourth one and this is entirely my personal view whenever you come across the terms my interpretation of this or i have reimagined this or i have retold from a different perspective or i have reinterpreted all of these words be cautious and pay extra attention to what the book is about especially when the protagonist is being shown as a victim because in this when this happens when one protagonist is shown as a victim generally anything that shows the person as not a victim is left out or it is misinterpreted very badly this could happen with the good guys and the itihas also or bad guys also you see so many books about duryodhan or ravana nowadays has become this favorite victim for everybody and everybody wants to you know create stories about ravana being a very nice guy so or duryodhana being a very nice guy or karna being a very nice guy so these things you have to understand that my there is no my interpretation or reimagining that can happen by removing facts that, that come in the ethics you can if you can give a honest reproduction of facts that happen and then you can reimagine or reinterpret within the arc of those facts you can't just say that karna did not call for draupadi's uh, stripping in the assembly and uh, you know you can't eliminate that part which very much happened and say that karna mm. was a victim you can't do that because what happened happened you bring that in and then try to show him as a victim that is up to you you can't leave out essential parts and say that this guy was a victim or this woman was a victim and you can't call it your interpretation or reimagination so be very wary very very valid point very valid point yeah you cannot distort the obvious facts but around yeah. them if you want to interpret that is uh, that is okay you know but you cannot distort uh, the facts that are there already uh, in the in the text you know change, is very very important things like you have this famous story nowadays going around that rama sent lakshmana to ask ravana for uh, dharma lessons ravana died mm. immediately after rama hit him how will he be sitting around giving dharma lessons that is the secondary point first point is why will rama send lakshmana to ravana mm. to learn ravana was mm. a gnani why would he be behaving like this before closing yeah. i think i also just want to ask uh, bharati ji about her uh, uh, her story in the anthology of stories 
uh, of uh, vedic women uh, the book is called arya um, and she has written a story on subhadra and given what she said just now about you know you cannot distort the main uh, facts i think she has done an exemplary job of uh, fleshing out the character of uh, subhadra within the context of the situation in which she places uh, that character so maybe bharti you you should speak a little bit about uh, your subhadra story in the anthology yes thank you so much for that yeah so with subhadra she is one of the classic examples we can take when we talk about things being uh, misconstrued actually subhadra is often seen as somebody who is a victim who is a weak woman who was kidnapped by arjun who does not have a voice who does not have a personality and all that the fact is very very different and uh, the that's why i start my story at a point where subhadra actually willingly comes into the spotlight it's not like she's not done anything before that she's done plenty but she doesn't believe in you know coming and blowing her trumpet every two chapters she is quietly doing her job at the back like many of our vedic women that's what they used to do and that's what our book arya covers actually we have 10 vedic women who are extremely strong women extremely strong characters who do life changing society changing things quietly calmly and without trying to blow their trumpet about it without playing victims for it that is what arya is all about and in arya subhadra is about subhadra as she becomes as she steps into the shoes of becoming the queen mother of hastinapur which is a role that most people don't even know that she actually donned so after the pandavas leave she becomes the rajamata of hastinapur and parikshit is the king and that is my story starts from the point when krishna avatara ends so the yadavas mm-hmm. have been destroyed krishna avatara ends and subhadra has to deal with losing her entire family her clan everything her very identity in, in a manner she realizes that um, narayana is gone krishna as narayana as krishna has left arjuna who is nara also has to leave because his his in, the purpose of his incarnation is done to and now it is up to subhadra to take that legacy of dharma rajya which has been created with so much loss with so much strife they have worked so hard that entire legacy is now left to parikshit to handle parikshit is a young guy is just 36 years old he just become king he what will he know it is subhadra who has to carry that legacy forward in a way and uh, not only with parikshit at hastinapura but also with vajranaba who is krishna's descendant at indraprastha that is what my story is and yeah for those who are interested in subhadra please do get your arya and read subhadra and nine other women characters thank you for that yeah so now i think we can close and uh, before closing i think we we get so caught up in uh, in the stories that we uh, we with our guests we forget to even tell our listeners that uh, we are we are on various platforms you know we have a substack so we request you please uh, subscribe to our substack hinduparenting.substack.com we are also on all social media 
we are on twitter with the handle hindu parenting on instagram with the handle hindu parenting on telegram with the same handle on facebook with uh, the same handle and there's also a facebook group uh, which is also called hindu parenting and uh, we we really welcome comments and suggestions so you can you can subscribe to our substack and use the comment section for uh, Uh, sending us your comments or you can write to us at contact at hinduparenting.org these days many children learn about our epics with a google search and uh, we have discussed the uh, discrepancies or maybe you know the uh, wrong things that our own indian writers have written for various reasons okay, with with lack of information um or knowledge about the true nature of the epic um but when you do a google search or when the child in your house does a google search the first things that come up are usually not even indian writers they are these articles in foreign magazines in new yorker in aon so that might just be your child's first exposure to the mahabharata or the ramayana it could be written by a so called professor sitting in one of the american universities who has absolutely no uh, stake in an accurate portrayal of any of the hindu epics so this is something that needs to be said it needs to be called out and parents need to exercise a lot of caution here because uh, especially the magazine articles they are everywhere and these articles are just a couple of pages but they've been uh taken um taken totally out of con- context uh twisted and presented to suit the current thinking um the framework of oppression or um sexism casteism all kinds of uh, you know victim behavior isms so feminism feminism is a big one yeah. which we we need to address in a later podcast but be uh, vigilant and be aware that this could be your child's first exposure so on that note i'd like to say thank you all for uh, listening to us thank you bharati thank you shalini and we'll be back again uh, in a couple of weeks with something new for you see you all next time namaste namaste thank you namaste